Come and talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it is Friday, so I'm turning it over to the esteemed Duff McKagan for the highly anticipated Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Shit, man. But I, I went to the doctor, and uh, you know, I said, Doctor, I broke my uh, leg in 12 places. The doctor said, you should stop going to those 12 places. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> Ah, thanks, Duff, for delivering every single week, or at least trying to. It's been uh, over four years that he's been doing this, so we thank uh, Duff, and we love the effort. We look forward to seeing Guns N' Roses on the road later this summer. Stadiums and arenas starting July 31st in Pennsylvania. Full capacity crowds as well. Uh, Wolfgang Van Halen is opening the show, which is great, so go get that ticket. It's going to be a hot one. And, of course, don't forget about Fozzie. We're excited to hit the road as well. The Save the World Tour begins in earnest September 2nd. We're doing a few festival shows before then. You can get tickets at FozzieRock.com. Come out and rock with Fozzie. We start July 14th in Iowa City at Wildwood. July 15th at Kadot, Wisconsin. Rock Fest with Anthrax, Steel Panther, and uh, Rob Zombie. Uh, July 17th in Jacksonville at the Taco Festival. We're headlining that one at Daly's Place, which is where we do AEW Dynamite every single week, so that's pretty cool. Uh, 8-7, August 7th, Sheboygan at Brat Days, also with Anthrax and Rob Zombie. And then the Save the World Tour starts with Through Fire, and um, who else is with us on that? Uh, Royal Bliss, and we start uh, September 2nd in Columbus, Ohio. 3rd in Joliet, Illinois. September 4th, Belvedere, the Apollo Theater. Uh, September 6th in Kansasville, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, September 9th, Hamburg, Pennsylvania. And September 10th at the uh, Blue Ridge Rock Fest in Potomax, Virginia. I think Anthrax is on that one as well. Tons of dates more. We end up uh, uh, October 9th in Orlando at the Earth Day birthday. So go to FozzyRock.com to check out all ticket information. Don't forget the Fozzy VIP experience. It's back as well. The best VIP in the business. We do a live performance before the show doing songs you're not going to hear later that night. 11 VIPs are already sold out, so go to FozzyRock.com quickly and buy yours now. Fozzy is back. Come rock with us. Come hang with us, and don't forget to check out the new video for Sane. Just crossed a million views in less than three weeks, as I'm talking to you right now. Uh, Impacted huge at Rock Radio. It is the most added single at Rock Radio in Fozzy Rock history. So right out of the gate, too. That's awesome. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for checking out the Winnipeggers, racking up tons of views as well. The views are up, which is great, on YouTube and Facebook. We drop new episodes every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This week, Mistaken Identities. So you got to check that out. Dave Spivak, Ribo, and I share some of the times we've been mistaken for other random people and celebrities. Uh, a lady thought my name was Dave for about six months when I worked uh, at uh, Zeller's, which is a Canadian Target. In about 1985 or so uh, Lots of hilarity happened because of that Come check out uh, Mistaken Identities and share a few laughs with the Winnipeggers Thursday at 9pm Eastern On my Facebook page and YouTube page Alright today, this is big for me One of my all time favorite bands And I've been a huge fan for 35 years And we're celebrating the release of the brand new studio album From Halloween The new album is just simply titled Halloween And I've got both of the band's lead singers Michael Kiske and Andy Darris On Talk is Jericho today Super excited about this Akiski was the band's original singer in the 80s, and when he parted ways with Halloween in 1993, the band brought in Andy Darris very quickly, uh, and they went on to success as well. Now they have returned. They're both in Halloween 
along with the third vocalist, Kai Hansen, uh, who was also returning on guitar. You hear all that happened back in 2016, the Pumpkins United re- reunion. Uh, Kiski is also talking about the uh, reasons why he originally left Halloween. The rumor that he was going to be the new singer of Iron Maiden after Bruce Dickinson's departure in 1992. We talked about that. What brought them back to Halloween in 2016? He and Andy explain how uh, Kiski came back into the band, how they tackle the vocal parts along with Kai. Uh, the blending is just insane. Their favorite songs to sing live, how they test themselves before the big Pumpkins United World Tour to ensure they can get along. Lots of red wine was involved, I'll tell you that. And we'll, of course, hear about the new self-titled album, which is people are saying is already the album of the year. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It came out today. Uh, go check that out on Spotify and wherever you buy and stream music. It's also available at Halloween.org. All right. One of my favorite all-time bands. Super excited about Halloween's Michael Kiske and Andy Darris here on Talk is Jericho, starting now. The good news is that uh, we're here with Andy and, and Michael from Halloween, and it's great to talk to you guys. So much uh, exciting stuff going on. I love the fact that you have three singers in your band and you guys because we met in Hungary pre-lockdown which seems like a thousand years ago but you guys have become really good friends it seems over the last three or four years yeah it's, it, it started slowly of course you know lots of insecurities in the beginning as usual but it's like I think I personally think after the first tour in 2017 we knew that that this is going to work and and all the fear and insecurities were gone you know how did you feel andy still don't know why why what mood i i just actually switched on the camera and suddenly it's, it's unmuting me <laughs> okay i was watching you smoke your cigar and thinking wow he's very quiet today he's not saying anything <laughs> no he always says that smoking a cigar doesn't make a lot of noise does it <laughs> <laughs> back to the question i mean actually we we both had a bit of a stomach ache i think because we knew each other theoretically for decades because we'd been more or less having the same karma to live through. And, and the same so job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and suddenly you get to know each other and you realize, okay, damn, I mean, this you, you missed out decades of, of that guy. So actually it's, it's just great to hang out with each other. And this is something you miss a lot during tour. Sure, the boys are there, but everybody else in, in Halloween has having his own things and hobbies and goes here, goes there, blah, blah, blah. So occasionally you find yourself then with Sasha, who has his things, or with Waiki. When you're really crazy, you go out with Waiki. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, it, it happens from time to time. But then Michael and I, we are having so much in common, so it's it's never boring. And, and it's whenever you're in the mood of like, oh, let's have a cheesecake or a coffee together, then we shouldn't. Then, the, yeah, we shouldn't, but the other is in anyway. So, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah it was yeah. a very interesting lesson, life lesson. It's like we have had that experience that there, there has been a relationship created out of the circumstances, but we, we didn't know each other. But there, there was a certain relationship just because of both of us being singers in the band. And, and I always say when, when I saw his face, like after I got out of the band, it was not necessarily the best feelings that was going in that direction, you know, when he right. took my job. Okay. And the other way around, he was getting fire from, from my fans, you know, complaining <laughs> that I'm not there. And so my face wasn't so such a positive thing to him either. So that was an interesting thing when we finally met each other 
that uh, we actually got really good along. And, it, and it, it, it was it was very interesting to see that because um, life is funny sometimes, you know. It's definitely some, something special because you would, would definitely think that people who are actually looking at each other like competitioners or whatever through decades, yeah. when they finally would meet you, you think, okay, that would probably in the perfect world be something like a diplomacy thing going on. But that you really warm up so fastly, and we're both not gay, so uh, that's even the second miracle. <laughs> <laughs> but we have cheesecake and red wine in common, so <laughs> <laughs> I think it all had to happen. It was funny when I saw when I saw you in Hungary. Your warm up for the show was having a, a glass of red wine together. There was no like scales being sung or anything. It was just a glass of red wine. Have a little conversation and just go on stage. But it, it, that's how it came to with me. I was like, when I started to 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 be like in Unisonic, when I started to, to to tour again and play live and stuff, I was like insane. I was doing like I had a little mixing desk with me with headphones and and a, a Electro Voice Elvis microphone, and I was singing like for one and a half hours sometimes Elvis tunes because because I thought I needed it. I was yeah. I was almost worn out when I got on stage, and I don't need any of that. I've no it was bullshit you just need to talk a little and sing a little and it works but i was completely the opposite to what you described when i started again what did you guys think like like you mentioned michael when you left halloween and andy came in and andy when you were in the band what did you think of each other as singers you didn't know each other but as singers what was the what was the thought well me personally i had a lot of work with that bloke <laughs> <laughs> because certainly you try to sing the tunes as good as you can but nevertheless, I never try to copy Michael because, first of all, he's one of the best singers in his genre in the world, if not the best. So who am I to actually try to copy a singer like him? And uh, then comes my ego and tells me, look, but I mean, you're, you're more or less successful with your own shit you're doing, so why would you copy? Um, this is a talk we had in the very beginning during the Master of the Rings recording with Waiki and, and Marcus, and mainly we all agreed it should not be a copy, so go go your own way. But on stage, it was a constant fight because Mr. Kiska here is, uh, even if you try to sing it as good as you can, you'll never sound as good as he does on his You're very nice. <laughs> <laughs> what I say to the fans when I, when I give interviews now, because now I can be completely objective when looking at the history. I mean, in the early years, I was hurt. I was frustrated. You know, I was angry. And I wasn't even listening to any of the records. You know, I was refusing to listen to it. Now I can't listen to the whole stuff. And I, 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 I always say that I think that he saved the band because mm -hmm. in the last three years, the band was not functioning anymore. When Kai left, the whole balance was gone and it was not working anymore and he was exactly what the band needed to continue you know mm -hmm. I, I can say that now and i can see that now for me the off time was very important personally and stuff like that. i don't want to miss it but i especially say that to to kiska fans you know that they got to mm -hmm. be aware that that was exactly what the band needed because the band was not functioning anymore and with him the band was okay that's what you think. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened, but that's what it looks like. Uh. <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because um, being a, a, a lifelong Halloween fan from, from, the, from the Judas DP, 
I agree with what you say, what you say, Michael, that Andy did kind of save the band in a lot of ways. And it's such it's one of the great replacement singers or uh, new singers in rock history, much like Brian Johnson, Bruce Dickinson uh, and, and Andy Darris. I'd put you right in there. Sammy Hagar, you came in and gave the band a whole jolt of electricity that brought the band to a different level. Yeah, and, and like I said, we were not functioning anymore. It was just no fun anymore. It was it, it was necessary for, for the, the change was necessary. It was great for me, even though it was painful. It was great for my personal evolution, you know, to, to mm-hmm. be on my own for so many years and having to do everything on my own. But I'm pretty happy that I don't have to do that anymore now. When you left Halloween, there was a big rumor that you were one of the thoughts of being the new lead singer of Iron Maiden when Bruce Dickinson left. Because it was about the same time you left Halloween, Bruce left Iron Maiden. Obviously, there's similar vocal styles. Is there anything to that rumor at all? Yeah, I turned it down. I thought Iron Maiden is not good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, it was funny. That question comes up since then. Like, like almost every time when I'm doing interviews for anything, that question comes up. And the funny thing is, I was actually hearing that information that I'm the new singer of Iron Maiden on TV in those days. I was oh, really? watching a metal show. It was a, a, a cute girl was was hosting a heavy metal show over here. And she was saying, well, everybody, is, everybody knows now, Michael Kiske is the new singer of Iron Maiden. And, oh, that's, that's interesting. They haven't called me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Maybe it, it comes from, it came from the fact that I didn't have a band in those, in those years, that I was just right. free, sort of. And then people were speculating. The only thing that I, that I always tell people who ask that question is uh, that I, I was doing an interview with a, with a French guy in the mid-90s um, or uh, later 90s. And uh, he, he said that he had an interview with Steve Harris a couple of weeks before. And this, that Steve Harris said something like that I would would have that I was among the three that he could imagine or something like that, which I don't know if that's true. Uh, you you got to ask him. I haven't I haven't uh, seen Steve Harris for ages. I, I, I saw him the last time at the wedding of Rod Smallwood, which okay. is ages ago. I, I still had hair when, when that was. <laughs> Well, because then you also worked with Adrian Smith on your first solo record, so there was right. that connection too. Yeah, that was because he didn't he didn't have anything to do. I didn't have anything to do, and <laughs> Rod, Rod Smallwood was was made. It was great. I was I was actually in my apartment with Adrian Smith listening to that new Iron Maiden record without Bruce. Oh, X Factor, and we both didn't know what to think. It was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. I mean, I grew up with Iron Maiden. You know, I was fourteen when. When they, when Number of the Beast was the main record, mm-hmm. and and Screaming for Vengeance from Judas Priest was their main record, so I, I started with all this at a, at a very good time. You know, it was pretty amazing. And to me, Iron Maiden without Bruce Dickinson doesn't make any sense. And mm. nothing against the guy. I don't know the guy. It's but it's it's a very unthankful job, you know, to to try to fit into those shoes of Bruce Dickinson, which is I would never, I would never do that. You can survive it, but he wasn't the quality of singer to replace mm-hmm. Dickinson. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't sing all those tunes. And, and I had the, again, nothing against the guy. I don't know the guy. Maybe he's the sweet, sweet, sweetest person or whatever. I don't know. I, I, I'm just talking as an Iron Maiden fan. Okay. 
But it's like it, it was so weird to me to to listen to that album. It almost sounded like he was out of tune on the album, even. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like flat, like not being able to hit the tones and stuff. You're right. You're told, and and he is a great guy. But it was a strange choice because it was a different vocal range completely. I understand that he said yes. You know, uh, it could have worked. Maybe you know, who would who would uh, in a situation that he was in probably you know not, ha not having a, a big band or anything like that. Who would turn it down you know to you right. know brian johnson could have said no you know but he didn't yeah, yeah. right or sammy could have said no but he didn't exactly when you came into to halloween andy having to kind of replace mike was it was it hard to do with fans did they uh, appreciate you and accept you instantly or did you have to do some work well honestly I, i i should have or i thought about having to do some work because i realized that there were quite a few old fans who definitely preferred Michael and everybody knows why. I mean, he's the original singer on the hits like I Want Out, Future World, Eagle Fly Free, you name, you name them, but it's impossible to replace a singer like Michael. So the only thing I thought is, is concentrate on your own shit because you cannot win that war. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you shouldn't fight it. If you start to, to actually to join that war, no chance to win it because as I said, he's too good in his genre. Why? How, how could I ever reach him? So I, I decided together with Michael and Waiki that we're going to do my shit the way I, th I sing and, and just hope for the best. If you're accepted, yeah, hooray. If not, <laughs> it's always like that. When you, when you, when you replace uh, someone in, in a successful band, it's, you always get that. You always get it. doesn't matter. Even if you're 10 times better than the previous singer or guitar player or whatever, you will always get that because you have mm -hmm. an audience that likes the members of the band the yeah. way they were. But, but like you said earlier, you, you were not trying to copy like the Keeper records or anything. And I, and I think that's why Masters of the Rings, uh, Master of the Rings? Master of the Ring. Master of the Ring. It's just and one that's ring. That's why that record worked. Because what I, the way I describe it, I, I, I described it to you, Andy, as well, when we talked about it. It doesn't sound like the Keeper records. It doesn't try to copy the previous sound, but it sounds like Halloween. That's the funny thing. It's like some kind of a new Halloween sound that was created. And that's why we're talking today. It's, it's a little bit like on a different level, of course, with Van Halen. When, when David Lee Roth left Van Halen, they sounded different too. I mean, Sammy Hagar is a completely different beast, you know? He's an amazing vocalist, a great guy, but he sounded completely different. But it worked out because they just let it happen and they didn't try to sound like the previous one, Hale. And that's the same thing Halloween did. And that's why they succeeded. And that's the way you got to do it. You, you, you got to stand for the changes. True. If, you, if, if that's even a saying. It is now. <laughs> stand for the changes. <laughs> if you take Sammy Hager, for example, I mean, there you have an example of a singer who is way more capable of singing than uh, in comparison with Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave is the character, yes. But when it comes to singing, it's definitely Hager. There's <laughs> more range, but I, I like that. I, I like I like David Lee Roth. I love Sammy Hager. I grew up with with David Lee Roth. I was one of those guys who was bloking and meh, 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 when Sammy Hager joined, and I couldn't stand it for two years. And then I have to learn. I had to learn that he is doing a fabulous job. And then I was into Van Halen again. 
It's also difficult not to like him. Yes. It's super difficult. Yes. Yeah, he's, Very difficult. He's, he's a sunny boy. I love him too. But then again, for, from that point of view, I, I completely understand that fans are super pissed off when a, when a singer goes and another comes in. And I was quite aware of it. So call me blue-eyed or call me too positive <laughs> I think your Pink Cream 69 situation helped. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but never, nevertheless, I was... The story, I mean, Michael knows the story. This, my story was my old band, which was successful in the beginning, like to start like a rocket. We've been number one in Japan and everything looked great. I have written, to that point, I've written all the songs for the band. And suddenly this band tells me, oh, we don't want to play your songs anymore. Now we, we want to sound like Metallica. I said, well, I love Metallica, but we have our own style. We have a number one record going on. Why the freaking hell would you <laughs> like to sound like a band which is already like a style which why would you like to copy somebody who's already there and successful i mean he did not understand this Excellent. and for a songwriter or for a musician the, the the worst thing you can do to him is tell him tell him i don't like your songs because mm. that's your daily bread i mean if somebody's going like i love your songs i mean that's more important than money at the end of the day you know because right. that's, that's what keeps you going and Suddenly, your own band is, is telling you, oh, we don't want to play your shit. We want to sound like Metallica in the future. And that's exactly when Waiki gave me a call, 29th of December. And I said, look, Waiki, before you, before you, because you told me if you don't join, he would split the band. He would split up oh, the band. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's how far it went. And Marcus gave me a call and said, well, then at least let's have a talk. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to decide this year. <laughs> <laughs> the 29th of December, okay. I'm, I'm driving up to Hamburg. Let's have a talk. So the only talk I needed is I made them listen to the songs and I saw the gleam in their eyes. I was like, wow, they were completely in love with my songs. And I, then me, for an egoistic part of you and, and an egocentric part of surviving as a musician, I had to ask myself, so who's, the, who's my band now? Mm. My old band who, who doesn't want to play my songs or now Mike, Michael and, and Marcus, who was like, we love the song. Mm. I would have done the same probably. So that, that decision made on the first of first of uh, January, I said, okay, I'm in. And you, you wrote a whole bunch of key songs on, on following records and stuff. Yes. In my opinion, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the, the key songs. And for me as a musician, that was, was my band then, because honestly, the band who loves your song is your band, period. Right. So that that's the way I saw it. Without, I mean, that's why I'm saying it's just out of, of my ego. That's what I needed. I did not look left and right who was hurt or who was trampled or, or kicked upon or whatever. I just followed my own instincts without asking myself, is somebody else hurt here? So actually, the right thing to do was like contacting Michael and say, hey, the situation was like this. I did not actually kick you out of the band because that's something we had to clear out when we when we met. And Michael told him the story because it's a different point of view. If I would have known that Michael would, would think that I stole his job, then, then probably mm -hmm. maybe I would have even contacted him because I knew exactly the same story that, that would nearly happen to me and Dougie from when Dougie uh, sang for Rainbow and I knew Dougie was in Japan and they playing a successful tour. And during that time, Richie Blackmore gave me a call if I would join Rainbow. Really? And I said, does Dougie know about that? And the management found out then because I was not given person like the information I wanted. And the management back in the days we were with uh, Sanctuary Music, 
and the Iron Maiden management and yep. Doug, and and uh, they actually they told me that Dougie would not know anything about it. So behind his back, he's already looking for another singer. I mean, if it goes down like this, this is something that you really have to set right until I told Dougie, then um, I'm not going to do it because that's no, that's it's just don't do that. And as for me, I actually wanted out. It was sub subconsciously I wanted out. In my head, mm -hmm. I didn't, but I was laying bombs everywhere. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it, it was pretty obvious. I mean, now I know I wanted out. I needed, I needed to get out of it. Well, let's talk about, uh, and, and for those who are wondering, Andy's previous band was called Pink Cream 69. Um, but let's talk about how this, how Halloween, the kind of Pumpkins United, seven guys in the band, how did this transpire? Because it was hugely successful, and we'll talk about that. But for you, Michael, because you were working with Kai a little bit, but how was this presented, and how did it kind of come together to do the big reunion? Oh, that was a long process. I mean, I'm trying. I, I can cut it short. I, I ran into my. I mean, I was like for years. This was impossible for me. I, I wouldn't even think about it. You didn't even want to sing heavy metal for a long time. Exactly. I was. I was disappointed to the core, and I. I. I, I I just didn't didn't want to think about it, and it was like it started to get to enjoy this type of music a little again. Started with Avantasia, and then later on with um, Plas Vendome, you know, and and then we formed Unisonic. It was step by step, but, but as for Halloween and the Pumpkins United, I ran into Michael Wycat in two thousand thirteen. I was on tour with Avantasia. And, and they, Halloween played on that same festival. And I ran into him backstage. And he said the perfect line that was just completely unarms you. He said, what have I done that you can't forgive me? <laughs> and I was, I, was, I was holding my breath. And I was like, I was feeling deep down inside of myself. And I said, and I, and I realized there was no anger. The anger was gone. I was just holding on to it in my head, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't there anymore. So I said to him, you know what? I think I've forgiven you a long time ago. And that was for me an inner game changer somehow. Still no talk about reunions or anything like that. Another two years passing by playing shows in Spain with Unisonic. Great shows, little, little places like maybe up to 2000 people, but great shows. Unisonic was just getting in shape somehow. And after one of those shows, Kai Hansen said to me, Michael, one day we just got to do something again with Halloween before it's too late, you know. And I said, you know what, Kai, I'm open. And that was the start of it because Costa was playing drums for Unisonic. Costa's part of the management, bottom row. So he, he mentioned it in the office and then Jan called me up and wanted to check out how I really feel about it and stuff. And then... Jan wanted me to have a long talk with Waiki, which we did, and it worked well. We sorted everything out and uh, noticed that everybody has a different version in his head what went down. And then he, Jan said, you, you got to fly to Tenerife. Do you say Tenerife in English? Tenerife, yeah. Tenerife. Tenerife. <laughs> and spend some time with Andy, because if you guys don't get along, it's not going to work. So I flew over and we spent, we spent like something like two weeks, almost every day together. He was bringing me to the places where he thought the food is great. And we talked for hours. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this. I, so I always send that ahead of what I'm saying now because it sounds like you just want to promote this, this Pumpkins United thing. But it felt like I knew him. 
do you have have you had that experience you meet someone for the first yeah. time but you feel like you know him you know this kind of karma connection yeah, yeah. And that's what i had with him he was the one who mentioned it but we both felt it it was almost like like uh like i knew him from a previous life which i'm sure we we, we do yeah. but 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 uh um that was an interesting experience because it was going down perfectly well we talked about everything spiritual things musical things and after that Going down, we did the, the the first wheel plans, you know, getting everyone rehearsing and things like I can't remember how it exactly went down, but it was getting it together with me and YT first or getting that out of the way, which kind of happened naturally over the years and then checking out how we do. So how was it kind of presented to you, Andy? Because was the plan was always to have two singers, but here you are as the main singer of the band for 25 years and one of the main songwriters. That must have been kind of interesting for, for, from your perspective. He was the one who, who was actually behind it in, 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 a, in a very strong oh. way. I was, I was reading interviews from him like, like three years earlier where he was talking about something like that. And I was going like, what is he talking about? This is never going to happen. <laughs> him and Kai are the ones who wanted to do this mostly, in, in my opinion. You should know that I'm a Leo. Leos always look for the most lazy way to get through life. <laughs> <laughs> so I prepared it. I prepare it very, very carefully for, for the year for years until I finally had them to the point that they said, okay, we're gonna kind of contact Michael and Kai. Because I planned that in the future, I only have half of the shit to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the funny thing about it. I mean, I, I can guarantee you, I've seen him talking. I mean, I read him talking about it in an interview, like two yeah. years, three years before. And I was going going mad. It was like a, a friend of mine was sending me some, some of his statements through an SMS. Do you know anything about this? Oh, this is bullshit. I don't know what he's talking about. That came from him. <laughs> I'm always talking about it hypothetically. <laughs> you know, the, um, the, I think the key conversation was held in Japan in the Tokyo Hotel, which unfortunately they, they I think they turned it down for a new hotel. It was a classic old hotel where the Beatles are. Uh, were oh, staying. Beatles stayed, yeah. I, I thought you talked about the band. It was beautiful. Anyway. Uh, we're sitting down there in the cafeteria there and having a talk with the JVC manager. And we just had a talk about what could we do? What's, uh, or do we have any ideas for the fans? Something special, blah, blah, blah. And I just put it on the table and I said, if you really want to present something special, we, we definitely should think about asking Michael Kiske if he would join because, uh, that Kai would like to join was more or less clear because we already had in, in the very moment that was, it was the second hellish uh, rock tour with Gamma Ray. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's where my idea was born. And I thought, okay, if everything is working super nicely with Kai, why wouldn't it actually work with Michael? Because so far I already heard the stories from, from Marcus and Waiki that Kai was actually the problem child, so to say. Mm -hmm. because, he, yeah, he wanted to leave. Uh, he was like, he, he and wanted the to power was partying and, and the rock and roll guy and oh you have to take care and blah 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 uh, but it, it it worked super nicely so the whole tour was great 
the people loved it when when Kai joined the the show for the last two Halloween sh- uh, songs. I went out in Future World. It was perfect. I mean, you saw that the people are having this wow something special thing in their eyes, and that's when I when I said, if you really want to have another extra special, it's logically uh, Michael Kisco. Bring him on stage. In a perfect world, bring the whole band together. Uh, and that's that's when it was born to me that that's pretty cool of you andy because once again you have it would seem you most people would be very protective of their spot so to speak but you were opening up like you said to bring one of the greatest singers back into the band but did i mention that i'm a leo lazy (laughs) (laughs) regardless it was a great idea it's unusual it's certainly very unusual. unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, the whole thing is very unusual, and especially that it works that well. I mean, I think Van Halen tried tried it too with both singers, and it did not work out. You told me that they tried it, and then they oh, kicked you told in the me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, Anth- Anthrax tried that with Joey Belladonna and John Bush. It didn't work. Oh, I mean, they? Iron. Okay, they did for a short period of time. Uh, Iron Maiden obviously have the three guitar players, and Adrian Smith came back, but just with Bruce. So this was one step more. You went from a five-piece to a seven-piece, almost like an orchestra of, of heavy metal, but it, it worked so perfectly and created such a huge buzz. People went crazy for it. It's a much bigger circus now. Well, I think, I think unifications is, is something that we need nowadays because, honestly, you see, if, if you're alone, it's like you feel like nothing in our business, definitely. And sooner or later, you have to realize if you stick together and everybody puts in his strength or his opinion or his little color or here and there, then you've got something that in our case is called Halloween. And now with the two guys, two new old guys or two old new guys, whatever. You, <laughs> weird, you know what I mean? <laughs> so there you have these, these, these extra spices that were lost on the way because simply the guys were not there anymore. And I think it also sends out a nice message. It's like, mm-hmm. to me personally, in the beginning, the motivation was making peace. I wanted to get it out of my system. E- even if the thing would have been over after the first tour in 2017, I would still be happy that to have done that, just to get it out of my system, making peace with Waiki, you know, forgiving and forgetting. It's just healing. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my first motivation. But now I love it. Now, now I love what came out of it, this whole band thing. And I'm happy to be to be part of this family again, to be honest. But that wasn't my first motivation. It just grew like mm-hmm. like like over the last four years or how, how long that's going now. Yeah, I think the first the first few weeks where we were like straying dogs sniffing on each other's ass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is, is he cool? Is he an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> forgive me that picturesque comes up but you know what I mean. <laughs> visual image there <laughs> like some stray seven strain dogs <laughs> smelling each other's asses <laughs> I don't like it <laughs> but, but I honestly think it's a good message it's a very good message you know that you can actually there's, there has been so much crap going on over years and bad words and stuff like that you know, and, and, and actually forgiving and forgetting. And, and, and I hope people feel that this is not just a just a, a game we play. I hope that they can feel that that's real. I couldn't do it if that wouldn't be real. Mm-hmm. Okay? No, I think that would be impossible, Michael. 
I would go. I would get sick. Two and a half, three hours. Forget it. People would realize. Especially when you, as we know too, it's it's not just the time in the studio. Or you mentioned kind of the honeymoon period of you guys hanging out in Tenerife. When you get on that bus and get on those planes and go on the road, you find out very quickly if the chemistry is there as people and as friends. And if it's not there, it's done. And the yeah. fact that that it, exactly. you have that chemistry, right? That's why we did contracts only for the live tour, for the 2017 tour. We only made contracts for this tour. So if mm. we hated each other in the end, everybody could go his own way again. And and, and after it, it worked out so well, we started to think further, you know, and the idea of an, of an album came out. Oh, I think I think this is something we plainly told people in each and every interview when we when they asked us. So, if if there is a new album after the tour, we always said, let's first look how the tour went down because it's one thing to meet three hours on stage for every second day, but it's another thing to meet each other ten or twelve hours every day in the studio, <laughs> so, you know. in the planes together, on the gates, waiting together. It's like That's right. Together That's right. all the time. It's difficult when you can't stand each other, you know. So when you guys started rehearsing and putting together the set list, one of my favorite things, and it, it's all over the new record, which I can't wait to talk about. But when you're talking about catalog and the first tour, how did you kind of decide? Who would sing what and what songs would you do? And and it was so interesting, the blending that you guys did. Well, we have many songs. That makes it a little difficult. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of stuck out of it most of, most of the time. Because well, most like, of the time, I think the only th things we had to decide is when I didn't want to write, uh, sing a, a certain sentence or part or Michael didn't want to sing a certain sentence or part. That was the first 20, 30% which were clear. We... we try to actually feel good on whatever we sing. I mean, there's definitely certain stuff that you like for whatever reason or you dislike for whatever reason. You talk about the album, the new album? Yeah. I think you talked about the life situation, right? I was talking when you, when you first got together for, for oh, okay. yeah. figuring out the set list. That was quite easy. It's just too many songs that you, that you can actually... We could easily make three sets of three hours mm -hmm. with new songs. That's how that's how many songs are there, really, which is great. You know, you, you, there's a lot to choose from. But I, I didn't I didn't think it was so difficult because certain songs you just have to play, certain mm -hmm. songs you just can't leave but, out. But what, what I'm talking about though is 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 how you decided who would sing what. The vocal interplay was so incredible. Yeah, but that was easy. You mean live, right? You mean for the live? Yeah. That was easy because he wanted he wanted to get rid of the of the typical Kiska tunes. Did I mention that I'm illegal? <laughs> you know, and, and, and so so we that was easily split it, and we just did a few things where we thought we should do duets because yes, it's, it's a great thing to do. That was also easy, wasn't it? I I didn't think it was very difficult. No, it was it was uh, checking out, listening to it in the rehearsal room. If it was good, it was good. Sometimes sometimes you say okay. Maybe we can switch the verses, verse A, Michael, verse B, Andy. Let's try to do the refrain together. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes we decided that the refrain is also in parts. And Sometimes we do harmonies together. Whatever we felt. Yeah. There, was, there was an idea that I should sing Why, which is a typical Andy song. Jan thought it was a cool idea. And that's how we rehearsed it. But then we noticed there's always twice the same verse part. So it's, it's like ideal for a duet. So we switched that and we started to sing it together and it turned out way better. That happened too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what, that was the initial thing that, that showed us the way. 
Oh, look, I mean, Michael should actually sing Why, but when they sing it together, it's much more fun. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably, that was the initial thing, Why. And then we, yeah, we, worked had, we tried it. We, we, we tried everything out. Yeah. So there were just suggestions from, from the management sometimes or like, like and on this record production from from uh, Dennis Ward, it was just suggestions, and we just tried it out or whatever. It was very very interesting how that happened in the rehearsal room because he was naturally, when I was singing "Why," he was naturally taking over the second part of the verse. <laughs> it was just he, he just did it naturally, and it just sounded much better than you know just me doing it. What we realized, I think, was we we got con- the confidence when we realized that when when the boys in the rehearsal room were telling us, "Hey, that sounds freaking great." That's when we got the confidence because the boys were like heads up suddenly and go like, do it that way, do it that way. That's fantastic. Just make the A, B, A, B, sing the song in the refrain, you're together. And because how, how would we know that we blend? We never sang together. And suddenly you realize when, when we sing together, we blend. That's a perfect, perfect thing. If you realize you've got two singers who blend. The sun was blending too. So I was. <laughs> I saw that. We are the Simon Garfunkels of the metal. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a you, you can't imagine how cool it is with two singers in terms of the energy life. You know, you, you don't have to sing a freaking whole set. It, it is it is less than fifty percent uh, because Kai does his bits too. Mm-hmm. And if, if one person gets sick, which I was on the on the very first tour, I was like almost constantly sick. I caught something in South America and didn't get rid of it. You can balance it out to the other one. And in Japan in 2018, he caught something and he was really struggling. So we moved songs to my side. It, 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 the That's only great. danger is when you don't sing, you tend to drink too much red wine <laughs> behind the stage. That's the only danger. I mean, honestly, I was, I, I, I'm usually not a, a very, a, like a, like a drink person. I, I don't, I yeah. don't, I usually don't drink much, but I was like overdoing it. And in, in America, actually, in Chicago, I fell off the stage. <laughs> I, was, I was drinking red wine. I was not eating anything. So I was, I, I was drinking like an idiot. And then I, I, the only thing I remember is I was standing in front of Donnie's drums. And then I woke up. My a monitor guy picking me up from the audience again. They, they, luckily, they, they, they kind of um, bounced off my fall because it was a concrete uh, ground. If I would have fallen on that, it could have been dangerous, but nothing happened. They just pulled me up and I continued singing, but I never had that before. I blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago. We are laughing now, and, and yeah. I'm laughing now, but I, I do remember that, that very moment when you just fell off. It was like, boom, you could have been dead. Everybody was like, I mean, really, nothing, nothing to laugh I can't about. even remember. I can't even remember. I just, just get like a, like a film cut. Everybody was shocked and scared to death until you finally show a sign of life. It's like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> everybody, ah! when, I wa- when I watched your set from the side stage, you guys had a table set up uh, just out of view of the crowd with some red wine on it, some glasses. Vikey had his uh, ashtray with his cigarette, which he's always smoking. Uh, you had your little party tray right there, the party yeah. table. Guy always <laughs> Jack, Jack Coke, Jackie Coke. That's, that's the one? Yeah. Oh, that's Kai. That's right, Kai, right. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun from a fan standpoint, too, because we'd heard Andy singing your songs for years, Michael, and then you got to sing some Andy songs. That was a pretty big moment, like Forever and One, and it was just kind of cool to see that. 
I see it like a, I see it like a late revenge. <laughs> now, this, now this bastard has to sing my songs. <laughs> I like singing. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, <laughs> Let's talk about the the great new record, Halloween. Um, it, it's it's coming out this week as we play this. Once again, the the vocal blend the the album is is, is so great, but the vocal blending start was we're talking about singing because now it's not just Andy and Michael, but Kai is interjected too, and he's got such a distinct voice that any line he sings it just cuts right through. Once again, how did you guys decide which songs to do, which lines to do? Uh, is every song on the album a duet per se? Kind of explain a little bit about that. We had uh, um, Dennis making a pre-draft. When Dennis knows his voice, Dennis knows my voice, and we just wanted someone outside of the band to make 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 suggestions. So that's how we started. He he's, he was splitting the the parts the way he thought it could work out, and that's how we tried it. I did the vocals with him in Tenerife, and and uh, and if I felt if I if I didn't feel comfortable with a line, and I, or I felt like this is typical Andy. I passed it over to him and he gave it a try. And sometimes there was a situation where he felt like I should give that a try. But most of the time, the songwriter had like, like in the head who should do it. For instance, like with, um, with Sasha Angels, he wanted me to sing it right away. He had the demo in, I think, 2019. It was done and he was sending me the demo and he wanted me to sing on. So I laid vocals on. We added a middle part. We added with him in it, like like in the sort of pre-production phase that, that came together. It was pretty easy, I thought. The only, it was kind of difficult with Kai a little bit because... In, in the very first planning of, of the Pumpkins United, it, it was only planned to have Kai do this sort of madly thing live. You know, right. it was never really talked about him singing on the album, which we don't mind. But he, he kind of uh, uh, made that decision that he wants to be singing on the album, too. And then <laughs> as far as I've been told, the, the producers have sent him parts of other songs where they thought he should give it a try. And he just didn't. He just didn't sing on him, so it didn't happen. And then I did the vocals for Skyfall the way Dennis was has, had written it down, okay? And and it sounded great. Everybody was happy. I, I did the verses and all that, and I felt like, wow, this sounds like Keeper of Seven Keys. That's so amazing. Everybody was happy. And then Kai said, well, I thought I sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing? It was a very, I mean, it would have sounded like Gummeray then, okay? So it's like, it was a very difficult situation because we wanted him to sing on the album. But that song, it would have just been a wrong choice to have him mm -hmm. doing the vocals because it's just such a keeper song. So yes. we were in a situation that the whole band feels like, no, Michael should sing at least what he does now. And you sing that, those bits there, like we do it actually on the album now. That's how everybody felt like it should be done. He agrees with it now. He's happy mm. with it now, but there was a phase with long talks. We can't do it unless he likes it because we don't do anything the songwriter doesn't want, but it was kind of difficult to, to show him that he has to look at the big picture. He has to look at the band and the whole album and what's the right thing to do now, because even though he doesn't like it, it we like his singing and he has his fans, but when it comes to the success of the band, Andy's and my voice, you know, it, mm -hmm. it just waits a little more than, than when he sings. So you got to be careful 
with how you how you balance it. But it wasn't even the main reason. The main reason was that it sounded great the way we did it. It just sounded right. And then he did the vocals for the verses, and it just didn't didn't it wasn't any better. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. That took a while. The touch was gone. Put it that way. I made a little sacrifice and told everybody I'd rather not sing on Skyfall if Michael Kiska is the main voice and Kai and myself are only the guest vocalists somewhere in the middle parts. Hmm. Because otherwise you would have this big Hello, We're Back Again song and Skyfall is the perfect song with Michael's voice on it to say, hey, Halloween is back and look, it sounds like The Keepers. Wow. And suddenly... Wow. Suddenly, this surprise would have been completely blown in the air for nothing. Yeah. If there were too much Kai or too much Andy, if there would be too much Kai or too much Andy. And, and it had nothing to do with ego. It was not an ego thing. I don't care. I don't care. It's like, it was just the song was working so well. But see, that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about this. And as we know as musicians, it doesn't matter who writes it, who sings it, who plays on it. All that matters is the song. But for the first kind of return of Halloween, the lack of ego, what you just said, Andy, is amazing because even, it's funny, M, uh, M Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold uh, is, is my Halloween buddy. We're huge Halloween fans. And he was laughing about how, well, let's choose the 12-minute last song on the album to make a single for, <laughs> and then we'll edit it to seven minutes, right? But in the edit for the video... We don't hear you, Andy, until basically we run through the maze, Hangar 18, which is about three minutes in. Yeah. And it's like that, the lack of ego is just blowing my mind here because that doesn't usually happen in rock and roll, as we all know. Yeah, 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 that's very true. But that's why we added him in the movie more. He's the Iron Man. Yes, so yes, like yeah. At least visually, <laughs> he's there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Iron Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that lack of ego is very mature. It's very cool that you did that. There was one situation that stuck in my head, uh, which was the last time that I was kind of wondering about this whole crazy situation. It was when we did the vocals last year, early last year, before the, the, the pandemic. We had a, a daily routine. It was usually like me showing up at, I don't know, 12 or something like that. And then, then we were in this garden drinking a bit of coffee and talking. And then sometime Charlie would come up and say, I'm done. He was doing some editing down there usually every day. And, and I needed the lyrics. So he went up, Andy went up into his office and, and printed the lyrics out. And he came down the stairs with a big smile and handed the lyrics over to me. And I just thought that situation here, you know, you handing me lyrics over for a Halloween record that I'm laying vocals on now. It's just insane. I couldn't, and you just like, if you would have written all that down, like, like a, as a movie script, they would have said, nah, that's unreal. No one's going to believe that, you know, write a new <laughs> one. You know, it's like, that was the last time where I was kind of thinking, this is so crazy. I would have never have thought like the, the years before that something like that ever happened, you know? Yeah. Hey. Maybe back in our twenties, we would not have done it. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting too. Is it, is it weird to do a, an edit like that where it's twelve minutes down to seven? Because we all know what happened with the famous Halloween edit from Keeper the Seven Keys one, which is just completely butchered. Were you a little bit scared at first when you heard "Edit, Michael"? Yeah, I was. I was, but it turned out much better because this time Kai was like the the one who said how to do it. 
You know, it's like in 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 the eighties when we did that, it was the record company who was cutting it down like that. And did, did you have any say in it at all? Any decision at all? Here's no, the song. Not in the cut. It just it just happened. You know. Yeah. In, in terms of the music, we always did what we wanted, but that that edit was not. We didn't have any say in that. And this time, Kai was the one who who was guiding the whole thing. So it works. It works. It's still not. It the, does. It's just a just a portion of the song, but it works a lot better. Andy, when you were writing um, the songs for this album, because you wrote quite a few songs, was it fun for you to kind of come up with melodies that you knew that Michael would be able to knock out of the park? Well, I hoped he can't sing them. (laughs) 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 But the bastard sits down and sings them. (laughs) Honestly, it it was a great relief because when, when listen to Fear of the Fallen, for example, Fear of the Fallen, one singer is impossible because the voices are constantly... uh, blending over itself themselves. So there would be probably no singer in the world who could sing that because he would have to hold his breath for four minutes or something like mm-hmm. that. You know? Right. So for me it was quite super, super easy to write suddenly in with the, with that thing in the back of my mind. We're both we are two singers, maybe even three singers. So you can do whatever you like. That was the first thing that that popped up in my mind when I wrote The Fear of the Fallen. And because of that I went on with uh, Rise Without Chain and Cyanide. Um, unfortunately, Michael didn't sing on Cyanide, but I, I could imagine that also would have been a great song for a duo. I refused to, because to me that was such a clear Andy Dara song. Yeah, which I heard you, and I sang, him, sang it, but actually you were in the back of my mind for that song too. Oh, I yeah. thought actually that would be a song where I sing the brutal verses and you sing that nice refrain. And probably the refrain would fly much more when you would sing it. But then again, it's okay. It sounds okay. It sounds good. I think it was perfect the way it is. It was one of those songs where I, in the same way, when I when I did uh, Out for the Glory, it it, were, it just worked. You just I, I I didn't even know the song because I couldn't understand what Wiki wanted with those songs because on the demos he was laying vocals on it. And when when Wiki's singing, it sounds like you burn a witch <laughs> or, or, or kill a pig. There, there's no melody. There's just someone gets slaughtered. That's what it sounds like. And I did not know what he was trying to do with those songs. So it was it was a situation when we did the first brainstorming, where, where we, like we met up in Hamburg. It was I think it was in eight, 2018 in April. We met in Hamburg and everybody played the ideas, and he played. Down in the Dumbs, and he played the songs that he had, the three songs, and I just didn't understand anything. I, I didn't know what he was trying with them. And 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 the band, don't worry, the band said, we know his demos. We know we know what it sounds like. Don't worry, it's going to be great. So I trusted them, and it was true. And I I didn't I didn't practice those songs. And when we when I did the uh, um, Out for the Glory, it just happened in one evening. You know, we just I got through the parts, I learned them, and I did it, and it just worked out. And when it is so obvious, it's it's easy. Well, you know, when it, he he's, he came in and 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 was happy right away, you know. But and to me, it was with with cyanide and some of the other songs. It was clear to me that that's Andy. That's just it. Just sounds right when he sings it. So I didn't even want to have any try on that, you know. Yeah, you didn't want to sing all my songs with Pastor. That's all. <laughs> no, no. It's just it's just when it when it's so working with you. Why should I, you know? Just to make me happy. (laughs) (laughs) 
and give him less work to do. He's a Leo, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the the album works. The album works so well, uh, and it's it's. I think it's exactly what people are going to be waiting for and hoping for. One of the interesting things for me, Michael, that you can answer is I'm one of the guys that looks at who writes the songs. And Sasha wrote great songs, and Andy and Kai and, and, and even Marcus had a song. But no Michael Kiske songs. And you've had some great ones in the past from the first Halloween records that you were on. Uh, any reason why there was no none of your compositions on it? Yeah, I, I just stepped out of it. I don't. I didn't even really try. Um, because I, I felt like my, my stuff was good in the keeper years, but I don't, I don't think that I wrote key songs. I think, I think the key songs for the band who, who made, made the career of the band came from Kai, Waiki, and later from Andy. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like we do have enough songwriters. I mean, I was meeting up with, with Sasha in, in Berlin once, but it was more actually getting to check, to check out how we work together. We didn't really care much about the song. It fell under the table. We didn't even talk about it anymore, but Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I didn't even try. I, I'm, I'm writing an acoustic album right now, actually, just for myself and to use the time. But I, we have so many songwriters. And, and I, as, especially when it comes to this type of music, the stuff that I'm doing is usually very different. And it, it's a question of, even in, in the 80s, my stuff was very different. And it was always a question if the band could transform it into a Halloween song, which, which they did. You know, it, it's like my original versions usually sounded quite different. It would still be the same situation. I just write a song. I don't write a metal song. I just have an acoustic guitar and I write a song. And then it's, it's, a, it's a question of that it could be pumped up like, like right. to a metal song or something like that. I'm sure something's going to happen if we, if we continue like that, if the world doesn't end next year or anything like that, and, and, and we make <laughs> another album. I'm sure there's, there's going, it's going to be maybe another song of mine, but I, I, I thought we have enough great songwriters, and it's more important that Kai writes. I wish he would have written like two more or something, Yeah, in my opinion, but he's a lazy bastard. <laughs> he he <laughs> came extremely late. <laughs> He's really lazy, but may- maybe next time. Maybe next time. A lot of Leos in this band, Andy. Yeah, it's only Michael and myself, I think. Michael Wecker and myself. We are Leos. I'm an aquarium. <laughs> You're an aquarium. I'm a scorpion. Was the idea to make this a, a, a straight-on heavy metal record? Because usually, Andy has, you write some great kind of ballad-type songs, uh, but there was none of that on this record, which is, you know, I understand the the, the metal side did you not even try to do anything uh, slower for this? We had one. We had one. We had a, a, a ballad. He has a great ballad. I think he has written like the maybe the best ballad he has ever written. But it, unfortunately, they changed it. They changed the key to a lower key. And in the end, he was not happy with how it sounded anymore. It's going to be on the next one. But that one, I was very sad that it didn't end up on the album. Yeah, we all were. But, but then again... When you listen, because Michael Michael sang um, the original refrain from when when it not was not uh, I think we transposed it five semitones even hmm. when it was not transposed it's very high pitched um, for me it's the limit so I can sing it but it's my absolute limit and Michael um, demoed it and it sounded fantastic but during the production. Dennis, the bastard, (laughs) 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 he came up with the idea that we should transpose it down to a range where the people could sing along with it. I mean, that was the main idea, and Uh I thought it's a good idea. So I said, yeah, let's let's give it a try, okay? And 
it turned out to become a very, very beautiful song, but it's not what we actually heard from the demo where everybody's goosebumps were going off. And suddenly you sit there and you listen to a great song, which is not Halloween anymore because you realize, okay, the high pitch is a very important part here. Gotcha. It would be, it would be like a tale that wasn't right or forever and one pitch down five semitones. It would lose everything. And we didn't realize until we, we, we recorded everything and you sit here and think, and you think it sounds super nice, but it's not Halloween anymore. It's gone. And that's when we, when we decided to actually postpone it and rather re-record it in the original tune. And I definitely think Michael should, should sing the refrain. The refrain flies so beautifully. Ordered the two of us. I mean, I can do a voice under him as on the demo. Suddenly, something. I also like, like the, the. I also like the lower version. I also like the version that we did. I I thought it was still great. Also, the way you sung it, I thought it was. I, I personally liked it. I, I don't think there's anything we can't do. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather have it re-recorded next time and you sing the refrain. I think because it sounded so good. Cool. I love the song. I love to sing on it. But the idea, I mean, to to actually not give uh, Dennis all the blame. Bullshit. I mean, we we all were fond of the idea to tune it down to a for everybody singable version that it takes away all the Halloweenishness. <laughs> Halloweenishness. <laughs> What's the song called? Into the Sun. Into the Sun. As we start to kind of wind down here, um, one of the cool things that you guys have really incorporated and were very specific and, and, and believing in was including uh, your old drummer Ingo uh, into the whole family he he does the drum solo with danny live a, a great video of him uh and then the, the rumor is that the drums were recorded on ingo's drum set i mean that's a true halloween fans you know trivia but how, how did that come about and, and michael give us a little bit of a description of what kind of a guy ingo was because he is kind of the the, the one guy from the original halloween family that we don't know a lot about because he passed away so young yeah let me just start with how I think it came together. It was uh, like using the drums of him, and, and then mm -hmm. I come to Ingo. Um, I, I was running in. I was I was running into a fan. Uh, I think in 2017 uh, in Hamburg, I was in a shopping mall, and and I was talking to that guy for about two hours in front of a Saturn market. And he 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 started the conversation that he has the drums of Ingo. And he wants the whole band to sign inside of the snare drum. Okay. And I, I, I'm not sure if that's how it went down because I, I didn't, I forgot about it. And then later on, I heard that Donnie bought the drums from him. I think it was the guy. I'm, I'm, it's the only one I, I can remember who had a drum of Ingo. So I guess he was trying to make an appointment with like to meet the band backstage and have everybody signing the snare drum in, in that and then Donnie, I guess, had the idea to buy the drum and, and to use it on the album because they sound different. First of all, Ingo is a little bit there when you, when you use this drum. That was the basic idea. But also, it's nice, the, 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 the sonore drums of the 80s, they don't sound like they, they sound today. So it has a, has a very different kind of, kind of sound. Yeah, it was a great idea. I, I, I remember live when we did... When, when, when we did this, um, this part with Ingo and Donnie, sometimes it's very emotional. Yeah. You, know, it's, it, you don't even recognize it when you, when you rehearse and stuff like that. But when you are with the audiences and you, you know, you, as a musician, you know what I'm talking about. You're always surfing on the emotions. 
Yeah, you know, right. Musicians, what do we do? We learn our songs, we go on stage and we play. The concert is what comes from the audience. That that makes the concert. You kind of bounce off each other and, you know, and we had these situations and I, I know that Andy said, we have a German saying like pee in the owl, in, in, pee in the owl. It's like, there were situations where you could feel the emotions of the audience and it was jumping over to you. And then you got, you had to fight your tears in these situations, you know, it was a great idea. It was, it was a fantastic idea. It means the pipi in, in the organ means piss in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's a weird German saying, but no, Engel was actually a very, very good hearted person. He was very simple. In a, in a, he was very easygoing. He couldn't think bad of anyone. That was one thing that I really liked. If you would tell him a story about someone you don't like, you're like talking bad about him, he, he wouldn't even believe it. You know, he was, he, that was really sweet of him. He couldn't, he couldn't believe bad of anyone. He was like, which is always a good thing. But he was, he was very self, self-destructive. He was, when I got into the band, he was already like an alcoholic, if you ask me. And he was, uh, he was, especially when we had these, these problems with, uh, with noise, you know, when, when we found out that they were cheating on us and, and, and all that stuff, when we had these legal court situations and all that, and we, we were injuncted for two years. In those two years, he was aging like 10 years. He had so much time on his hand. I mean, I'm sure you know how it is when, you, when you're busy, you got something to do. You know, I, I'm, I, I can deal with free time very well. I'm never bored. I always have something to do. And I, I, I'm good with it. But there are people, if they're not in a structure, if they don't have a job, you know, that tells them where to be at what time, they kind of fall apart. And, and, and when, when we were injuncted, I, I was shocked when I saw, I was just spending time with my girl, girlfriend by that time. And I, we, we didn't see each other when, when, the injun, when we were injuncted. And, and, and I had like a two-year break when I, saw, when I saw Ingo again. I was shocked what he looked like. You know, he, he kind of was giving it like every day. And we didn't know that, but he was also, he was also taking cocaine, like, like, like privately. He was hiding that from us. We didn't, we didn't know about that. But this combination was kind of, it destroyed him, you know. Yeah. I think he, I think he would have gone that way anyway. Because he was, he was on a, on a like, you, you can tell sometimes that some people are on a, on a self-destructive way, you know. There's, right. And, and um, there, was not, there was nothing really we could have done, you know. Um, we were kind of helpless. Uh, but this situation we've been, been through just speeded it up. Gotcha. Last few things. Were you, did you expect, Andy, that the, this Pumpkins United reunion would be as big as it was? Because it's big arenas in Mexico. It's headlining Vakken. And Halloween always had a certain level of being a big band. But this took it to a different level. Did you expect that would happen? I did. Well, we, we, we all hoped for it. But this is something where you talk amongst each other. Like, wow, wouldn't it be great? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you, as, there's another, another German saying, man darf ja träumen. You may dream. So... Uh, you take it as the absolute perfect world thing. In a perfect world, we're reaching this and this and this. That you actually reach everywhere the biggest thing you can, this is certainly unbelievable. I mean, how often have we be standing backstage, Michael and I, looking out in the, into the concert hall, onto the audience, over the stage, and 
like again nearly with pipi in our eyes <laughs> I, I just got goosebumps <laughs> yeah i mean this is probably nine out of ten concerts were like that you could not believe it i mean i desperately wanted to soak it in forever to have it constantly available in my memory because we we didn't take it for granted yeah it was like to me i i did not know what to expect i was off the scene way too long to have any idea but somehow it seems like we've got the the two parties together you know the, the kiss cafe's halloween who jumped off after that and and the andy family we got it all together somehow it's, it 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 worked to bring them all together and that's i think that's why yeah in a perfect world we always say this or that will happen but this is just a saying in a perfect world it never it never becomes true but this time it did so yeah unbelievable i'm i'm the most surprised also about the reactions um, of the album really that that like i said we never we, we were never number one in england in the single charts never you know that's something that that i mean i'm especially now where you're just waiting hoping that touring comes back and all that to have an album released and, and getting such a such a great feedback is very uplifting it's very uplifting last question for you i know they're all all songs are like your children but what's your favorite song on the new record and what's your favorite song to sing together live from the tour that you just did i i, I love like keeper and and the song halloween especially when we do that together i think that's always great fun Especially Halloween and Keeper, you don't do that much. Yeah, it takes away so much pressure if you if you don't have to sing these long songs alone, and you know, okay, now the other guy is jumping in. That's it's for singers. It's a dream come true. Right. I, I personally loved everything that we did together because it was always that fun part in the show. As soon as you have to go out and you know, okay, it's just me now for. Soul Survivor or whatever, it's not, it's not that party thing. It's getting, it's becoming serious. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's one thing coming into my mind. Uh, Perfect Gentleman, which is a song that I love, which I think is totally him. I always don't want to come on stage for that one, but he always wants me to go, come on stage <laughs> with this. You know, I'm perfect. So he always has to convince me again to go on stage because I. I think it's his song, you know. <laughs> it's a perfect song for the for the two of for 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 you and me to say. No, I am perfect because we are <laughs> we are gambling then with with the last decades where everybody says, "Oh, Michael is better." Ah, no, Andy is better. No, yeah. Michael is better. Blah 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 bullshit. No, you're perfect. No, you're perfect. No, you're perfect. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> What's your favorite song from the new record? I like. I I really love Skyfall. Out for the glory, you know the ones that have a bit of the. I, I like. I love fear of the fallen because, yeah. strangely, that has a bit of a keeper touch too, which is interesting. I, I, I mean, my main phase in this band, you know, where everything was great and we were all happy, was the keeper of the seven keys records, of course, you know. And that's when, when that vibe comes up, I'm happy. But I like many songs. I, it took, I like them all. But I had difficulties with Down in the Dumps in the beginning. It was it was a song that I just I understand it now. When we did the listening session and we, and we were, it was the first time that I was listening through the whole album. Um, I understood that it makes sense on the record as a as a as a comedy kind of aspect. Like you can't really take it completely serious. 
at all. I should have made a photo. I should have made a photo back in the days of your foyer face where you for the first time listened to the white <laughs> demos. You had this what the f- it's so crazy down in the dumps is so crazy (laughs) how about you andy what's your favorite songs on the record okay just the very andy thing because i'm i'm already uh, already looking for the life situation i think i will love to sing the fear of the fallen together with michael Mm -hmm. this is done for michael and myself from beginning on that's why i probably enjoy the big f out of it and uh, and I could imagine that that I love to sing together with Michael again. At, at least the refrains you have to join um, mass pollution. Yeah, sure. That that'll be that'll be probably a life rocker from hell. So yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to them. Certainly, Skyfall out of question. What what a frigging great song! I mean, yeah, he, he did a fantastic job there. Kai did right. Definitely a, a definite. Yeah, that's the follow keeper follow up song we needed, and there it is. There are many songs on the album that I could imagine life, but the three of them I would say I'm looking forward to. Skyfall mainly because I can't have a smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just because I have to ask before we go, tell me quickly, Michael, if you can, what the f*** does uh, Pink Bubbles Go Ape mean? What does that mean? It was just nonsense because it was basically (laughs) how we felt. Everything was, nothing was working anymore. It was oh, actually gotcha. coming out of a conversation that I had with Waiki. Like I said, in, in that time, it, it seemed like everything had turned. Like before that, everything was working out. Everything was great. It didn't matter what we touched. You know, it, it, it seemed to, we, we felt invincible. And then, and then, and then the whole chemistry changed. The whole, the whole balance changed and, and nothing worked anymore. And I, and I just, I was just joking. I was just joking around. You know, we should, we should call this album like Pink Bubbles Go Wild or something like that. I think that's what I said. <laughs> uh, because that's what it is, you know. And it, no less, Pink Bubbles Go Ape. That's better. That's how it came. It was on the phone with, with Wiki. <laughs> we did so many things wrong. We did, we did the, we took a producer instead of the one we did the key records with, you know, we're, it was just, it was just pink bubbles going. Well, the band is is bigger than you've ever been. It's tighter than it's ever been. The new record is awesome, and it's been great talking to you guys. I'm glad we we're able to do this, and I'm excited to see you guys uh, at a festival again somewhere down the road when we can start doing that again. Ah, it's gonna yeah. come back. It's gonna come back, and we we will appreciate that like never before. Oh, exactly. Yeah, because that would mean the craziness had an end. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, guys. Awesome. I'm glad we got to do this. And it was perfect timing. You just finished your cigar, Andy. So it was the perfect link. <laughs> Not yet. Not <laughs> yet. Another, another 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks for your support. Always, forever. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Chris. Bye-bye. Ciao.